Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you very much for joining me once again. Listen, before we get started today, and it is a podcast with a difference, I just want to shout out to a colleague, um, hopefully future friend, a gentleman by the name of Trevor Young. Uh, You'll find him on the internet uh, as the PR warrior, and he last week ranked his 12 most uh, popular podcasts, the ones that he likes to listen to. And In Transition was on the list. And it was great for me. I was had one of those days, you know, where you're just busy, busy, busy. And I didn't get to lunch until about five o'clock. And I was sitting over in the, the food court of the uh, shopping centre not far from uh, the office here. And I was munching on a sandwich and my phone pinged and there it was. So it was a busy afternoon. I was a bit distracted and a bit, and it's funny how like little information and news like that is the feedback that that you need to keep you going. And, you know, occasionally we hear from people and yes, they like the, the show or you might be out and about and you run into someone and they say that they like the show and they're the sort of data points that you're looking for to sustain you. But to you, Trevor, thanks very much for that recognition and acknowledgement. And we will keep doing it. We'll be, uh, we'll be involved in doing this podcast for many, many years to come because it's a, it's a story that we can continue to tell as we look to this particular and very specific problem and challenge of how is it that we can collectively um, help government to communicate more effectively. Now, I said that this week would be a podcast with a difference and the, the, the team came to me with this idea and they said, how about we do a year in review where we, we talk about content group, we talk about the work that content group's trying to do and we give people a bit of a sense as to, to who we are, what we do and what we're trying to do, which I think is, is very important as well. So I thought that was a great idea. So as I say, uh, podcast this week with a difference. It'll be me speaking uh, probably for the next 20 to 30 minutes just to take you through um, just the journey that we've been on this year and, as I say, the destination point that we're trying to get to and the mission that sort of drives us on, on a daily basis. But maybe for some of you, just a bit of a background. Look, I've been um, uh, in the comms business for quite some time but sort of going way back, uh, I started in business as quite a young guy. I was a paper boy. Uh, then I worked in my father's pubs. So I've been in business since I was a kid. Um, then I went to university, did a marketing and commerce degree. And then from there worked in American multinational 3M. Many of you would know 3M, scotch tape, um, post-it notes, uh, 52,000 products, the home of innovation. You know, it was a great place to work. Um, so that was in the sort of early eighties. And then i sort of got out of that because what I'd always wanted to be was a reporter, a journalist. I always wanted to work for ABC Radio Current Affairs, which is the Australian Broadcasting Corporation for those of you not in Australia. And uh, anyway, I set out on that journey, sort of left my fledgling um, corporate career, much to my father's disgust at the time. He couldn't believe it. He said, you want to be a what? A journalist. So anyway, went down, worked my way up through community radio and then, you know, talked my way into a job in South Australia, um, 
lost that job after three months because the station got taken over and so they weren't able to keep me on. Uh, but anyway, I'd got enough of a start and then, you know, through commercial radio into the ABC, it took me about 18 months. Then I spent about nine years, nine very happy years at the ABC. Um, then from there, uh, early 90s, uh, I took a uh, voluntary redundancy out of the ABC. Oh, sorry, that was in, in the 90s, I should say, uh, in 1997. And that's where the idea of content group came about because the idea was to marry the skills of journalism um, with the skills of marketing. So as it, essentially it was so as that we could help tell the stories of our clients so they could achieve their business objectives. Now, the, the mission is not too much different to that today, but going back to 1997, um, it was a sort of a, a, a newish idea because I, I was lucky enough to get what they call a voluntary redundancy out of the ABC and that's in Australia, this sort of gift that when they um, when you apply, you can leave and you basically get money um, as you walk out the door. So I essentially used that money as seed capital for the business and the idea then I, I actually got to sit around for about three months and do nothing, which was great because – reporting on federal politics can be a mind-frying exercise. And so um, it just so full on that I did need a break. So I sat around in my pyjamas <laughs> for three months, much to my girlfriend's uh, disgust at the time, and uh, grew a beard and started to research and thought to myself, okay, so, you know, what have you got? So you've got the business background, marketing background, journalism background. So, yeah, that idea about you know, creating uh, content. Uh, and and I, the, this notion of content uh, back there um, was very, very new and because I was pretty much spending every day uh, dialing up, remember the sounds, those of you who are old enough, the, you know, the screeching sound of the, of the dial-up to connect to the uh, internet to research what was coming. And there was this whole notion of, you know, the information superhighway and that, you know, one day in the future we would carry around supercomputers in our pockets that would, you know, we would be able to create media-rich files and distribute those, you know, through the ether and they'd be, you know, you know sent from and, and gathered by these, you know, pocket-sized devices. And it was all very space age in the late 90s. And there was this notion around content at the time. And so I thought, okay. So we actually called uh, the company Content Group. Uh, it was actually back then called The Content Group. So anyway, um, off we went on this, uh, this, this journey, this mission. Uh, and while, um, you know, it was always a good idea, uh, technology in the late 90s really wasn't our friend. It was prohibitively expensive to create content. And while we sort of got going, um, it wasn't, you know, the massive success that, you know, I was hoping that it might have been. Uh, and in, interestingly enough, actually, just going back to this point around content, uh, the notion of content really didn't exist. And the only reason I knew is because I had time to sit at home and get on the internet and read a lot of the research papers and other stuff coming out of the big consulting firms like Hewlett-Packard and Microsoft. Um, but yeah, so I would have this business card called the content group and I would give it to people and they would look at it and they'd go, oh, that's nice. You're the content group. Uh, and I would always be saying, well, yeah, sort of, I'm content, but that's not what I'm talking about. So um, back in the late 90s, there was this continual idea that you had to explain to people what content was. So it's interesting, you know, 20 
odd years on that, you know, content is now such a well-established um, name and descriptor of the work that we're involved in. So there you go. That's a bit of a sort of looking backwards. So anyway, so status, you know, content group was limping along, I'd have to say. Um, I had an opportunity to get involved as a communications director of some professional sports team, and I won't bore you with that story, but um, professional rugby, which is my game. Uh, so anyway, I sort of headed off down that path rather than into the content business. But always knowing that at some point, you know, technology would solve this problem um, of expense and distribution and one day, you know, that future promise would be delivered. So I was probably about 2008, 2009, um, essentially content group had morphed into this sort of strategic comms, PR um, sort of a, a company, but it was around 2008 that we really sort of, you know, put our heads down and, and thought, okay, we're, we're pretty close now. Um, and that was about the time, maybe it's a bit later, intersected with uh, Joe Polizzi and the Content Marketing Institute. Uh, and really that was a sort of the lights went on and when I was, that's when I realised that what we were actually talking about, we hadn't named it that, but it was uh, content marketing. Um, but we now call that content communication or we have renamed it because in this um, government communication space that we're in, uh, we find that marketing, that word marketing um, at this stage um, is just not acceptable or doesn't compute because when you talk marketing often to um, senior levels of government, uh, they don't see that what they do is marketing. They see what they do is communication, but they don't see what they do as is marketing. They think marketing is, you know, Coca-Cola and, um, you know, any other sort of fast-moving consumer good. So anyway, we have transitioned into that description and we did that a couple of years ago and probably about 2000 and maybe 14 is when we made that pivot to to the government, maybe maybe it's a bit later than that, where we really decided that, look, we'd get out of the rats and mice stuff because we were working for real estate companies and finance companies and retailers and, and anybody who really wanted our services. But we thought to ourselves at the time that really that wasn't what we wanted to do and in it, probably the more interesting work that we were doing was for government because this to me is the central driver really is that what you do working in government communication um, has a real benefit to the community and there's a real purpose and there's a real mission to what you do and I think that's what I was looking for and I know that's what the team was looking for. So we decided that, okay, let's get out of that. Let's just go down this government and public sector path and let's really try to see what we can do in that space, um, applying the principles of content marketing, change the name, content communication, but effectively that's what we're talking about, and apply it into the, the government and public sector, um, yeah, the, the, the government and public sector, you know, uh, industry. And so that's what we did. And so fast forward the tape, a couple of years on, um, to the year in review. So there you go. That's just a bit of a background on the story as to how we've arrived here uh, at the end of 2017. So anyway, uh, it was good. Um, 2017 has been a great year for us. Uh, we we're very fortunate in that we won a quite a substantial contract with a, a government agency and I won't go into it in too much detail because it's one of those government agencies that we they don't really like 
to talk about things um, and that's fair enough. Um, but what it did do was to enable us to really grow the capability of the organisation. And so we were going along okay, don't get me wrong, um, but we were really able to make a step change off the back of this sort of substantial contract that then enabled us to really invest in a whole lot of people. So if I look at the uh, the, the focus for me or the real uh, benefit that we've achieved this year is really this investment in people people and capability. Uh, we've got a lot more people working here now. We've probably gone from maybe eight to 10 to 30 people at the end of uh, 2017. So that in itself, for any of you who are listening who run a business, I can tell you, as you well know, it's, uh, it's, it's complex recruiting people, um, getting the right people, uh, making the wrong decisions about some people along the way, which has happened, uh, which is always difficult because whenever you're dealing with people, um, they, they're people and they have feelings and emotions and so you've got to deal with that. So there's challenges around that sort of stuff. Um, but from a sort of a macro level, um, you know, the, the, the mission of the company is around helping government to strengthen communities and improve the well-being of citizens through effective content communication. And I think at the beginning of this year, we really put that mission at the heart of everything uh, that we've been doing. And that's really worked well for us because I think what it's done is align the team around that very, um, very clear uh, mission, this whole thing around helping government. I think helping is such a lovely word or help is such a lovely word because it, it really, it, it's quite good when you go into discussions with people because if people don't feel that you can help them, you know, when we take our uh, methodology and our process and our people and they don't think that we're, we're the ones uh, to help them or they don't, you know, they're looking for us to convince them, uh, it's like, oh, that's fine. You know, I've got no problem. We'll see you later uh, if we can't help you. So that really drives, I think, a lot of the culture around here that people come to work with that really clear sense of mission, that really clear sense of purpose. We have a whole series of values and mantras that sort of de define the way that we behave. And the vision for the company is is quite a grand vision, but what we are trying to do is to, is to become the world's leading content communication agency for government and public sector by 2020. Now, again, I know it's grand, I know it's big, I know it's like, you know, it's large, but, you know, with the end of 2017, that gives us three years to go. We got 2018, 2019, 2020. And I'll go through some of our accomplishments this year, which will sort of help you to see that I'm actually uh, quite bullish on the fact that we will be able to get there. You know, a small Australian company thinking about this very clear and specific challenge about helping government uh, so as that we can actually drive towards that vision. But perhaps from a maybe a broader contextual point of view, just this whole notion around why it's so important that we do help government to communicate most effectively. And I think this year we've seen two examples of... of uh, um, outcomes that you get when people don't understand uh, the challenges of government and they don't understand the policy remedies that have been designed by public servants around the world or they don't understand why those regulations are in place or they are unaware of services or programs that they may be able to get themselves um, get uh, take advantage of. It is such a critical point because I, I do point to Brexit and I do point uh, I do point to the election of you know the president of the United States of 
where governments in those areas, uh, in both of those countries, and, and in Brexit, I think it's both the European Union as much as it was the UK government, but they didn't explain to people well enough, particularly in Brexit, about the benefits of being involved. And so people um, saw, the, you know, these short-term notions of people taking our jobs or money that could be returned to the national health system immediately, almost on Monday, you know, there'd be £350 million returned every week to the National Health Service if we weren't involved in the European Union, these simplistic notions. So to me, it was this sense of the job hadn't been done in explaining to the citizens clearly enough um, of exactly what it was that the benefits were of, of uh, the UK staying uh, involved in, in Brexit. And interestingly enough, just in terms of North America, I listened to a great podcast. It's a guy called David Axelrod who used to work for Barack Obama. He was his sort of key media guy for, for many, many years. He does a uh, podcast for the Institute of Politics at the University of Chicago and I highly recommend it if you're interested in North American politics uh, because he does uh, interview lots of interesting people. But in that podcast, he interviewed um, Barack Obama uh, when Obama had, was leaving and they were talking about things that he regretted and Obama made this point around communication and how ineffective he felt that his government had been in explaining to people just what it was that they'd done. And he pointed to some work that had been done in the, the agriculture department in the United States. And he said that these reforms, and I can't quite remember just exactly what the reforms were, but he said they had a transformational impact on large parts of um, the North American agricultural industry. But they didn't get the message through. They didn't get that understanding through. And so the the institute, which is going to be set up in Chicago to take on the legacy of uh, President Obama, is in part, I understand, going to look at this issue of how can um, government communicate more effectively so people can understand the context in which the um, solutions are being designed for and then the detail of those particular um, policy program service or regulatory solutions. So that's going to be really interesting to have a look at, at the work that they do and I'm, I'm actually going to make contact with them at some point in time to see if we can find out just exactly what it is that they are doing there because that sort of takes us to the next point really about this change and this is this space that we're all working in, uh, in government communications because the digital dividend um, as it relates to communication is, and this is where the content marketing piece kicks in, is that we are, we all now have the ability to create, curate, useful, relevant, consistent content in order to engage and inform um, specific audiences in order to achieve that desired citizen and or stakeholder action. So we now have that capability. Go back to 1997, it was a future promise. Well, that future promise is now. We have any number of um, tools um, to be able to, as I say, create or curate or, you know, draw you know, information or content from other places. And, you know, in terms of distribution, well, you know, we have 
all of the traditional offline channels that we've always had and that we as government communicators still need to use because they are still so very effective. You know, those face-to-face communications, the stakeholder consultations, you know, the ministerial events, the uh, public events. But then obviously the gift, you know, of you know, social technologies and the fact that we now have ubiquity in terms of people carrying mobile devices with them wherever they go. Um, that notion of connectivity and improvements in connectivity, not only do we have the devices, but we have the 3G, 4G, 5G networks that are being introduced around the world that have now joined everybody up. And so, you know, we've moved from that old system to the new system where ubiquitous connectivity is in place. And so everyone who government needs to connect with is there. They're on the grid. They've got the device with them. So our challenge as government communicators is how do we tell a great and compelling story to explain our policy, our program, our service or our regulation in such a way that we will earn the right to a person's most precious asset, which is their time and their attention. And the way we do that is through content. And the way we do that is through content communication slash marketing. I've already been through the explanation as to why we now call it that. So that's the, the great challenge. And interestingly enough, I, I was in Asia um, a couple of times this year. One on a family holiday, um, my wife and girls, we went off to Vietnam, which was fantastic, and had uh, a look around, a really good look around actually over a couple of weeks in Vietnam. And one of the things that struck me over there was the quality of the um, wireless networks. Everywhere you went, connectivity was fantastic. And interestingly enough, you would see that, you know, some of the poorest people in the world, uh, they mightn't have much, but most of them have got a phone. So it was, it really struck me that, you know, and this is in these emerging um, markets, these emerging economies, that they're coming, they're going to be coming to this content game at a point where that distribution problem has been solved. You know, the people who they need to connect with are there and they do have their device. So it's going to be really interesting to see how those, um, you know, com- uh, companies, uh, so, sorry, the, the governments in uh, not, a, not only parts of Southeast Asia but, um, you know, on the African continent as well. I understand that connectivity in Africa is fantastic because people have been able to introduce these networks and these cellular net- networks are very, very powerful. So that's an interesting choice for us all to understand that sense that, you know, we're now in the media business. You know, we can now be our own publisher on behalf of our policy, our program, our service um, or our regulation. So the key thing is then how do we take advantage of that particular capability and how do we introduce the the processes and the structures and the governance frameworks um, and the measurement and evaluation frameworks as government communicators that are so important to us because we are spending public money. Let's not mess around with that. So that is something that we have to deal with. That is why, you know, public sector and government communication is different to private sector um, uh, communication. They're spending shareholders' money or the, the, you know, the owner's money or whoever their business is, but we are spending taxpayers' money. So we need to make sure that the decisions that we take are evidence-based, that they are robustly governed, and that we are in a place where we are producing um, great 
um, and sustained and consistent work because that's one of the key things, one of the key tricks I think in content communication for government is this notion of first of all being audience-based, audience-centred when, you know, obviously there's huge amounts of work that's going on in digital transformation and that we're looking at designing services and putting the, the citizen at the heart of service delivery but it's no less important that when you are designing your communication program that you put the citizen at the centre and the heart of the content that you are creating. Because going back to that point around earning the right to uh, a person's most valuable asset, their time and their attention, if you are not producing information, education, entertainment in the format that people are looking it for, in the channels that they want to consume it, at the time they want to consume it, why would they bother? You know, government does not own the monopoly, you know, of the production and distribution of information. Uh, Trust in government is at the lowest levels that it's ever been since they have started taking surveys into these particular areas um, of, of, of trust in, in the community and trust in uh, traditional institutions. So government cannot, can't rely on the fact that we're the government, we're in charge and here's what we're going to tell you. You know, that has changed and so we have to be uh, humble in the way that we go about it and really look to, you know, that mission that we have as public servants to be in service of the community. And so we really need to to think about their needs, their wants, their pain points. You know, what is it the information that we can provide for them in our particular part of the world that will make their lives just that little bit better? And how can we organise and create and distribute that content in such a way that we will earn that right? This notion that the pyramid is flipped. And so in the old days, it was hierarchical uh, structure where, you know, powerful institutions at the top, authority figures were the ones who distributed information. Well, that paradigm is flipped now and we get our information from family and friends. They're the people who influence us. So as communicators in government, how do we get that content and how do we create that content and get it out into that marketplace so people will share and spread the news of the problems that we are trying to solve as government communicators or in support of the policy, the program, the service or the regulation that we are supporting, how do we get that information out there so people can be better informed and better aware and so is that we can achieve this mission of strengthening communities and improving the well-being of citizens? Because the importance around consistency of communication at this time of such great change driven by digital technology and great change in digital disruption, there is so much that needs to be done um, to reassure people and to inform people and to equip people with the ability to be able to to, to deal with this massive change and this massive disruption that is with us uh, and it's ever-present. And really, you know, have we even kicked off in terms of these changes that are coming? Probably not. You know, every government in the Western world is examining this issue of future work. Where are the jobs going to come from? So our job as communicators is to work with our policy colleagues, our program colleagues, our regulatory colleagues to try to bring those stories to life so we can equip people um, so as that they're ready to deal with these massive changes that are with us now but are going to continue with us down the path. So that's our job. That's our mission. That's content group. So we're going to be in this space 
for as long as we can be, really. I think as, you know, we'll continue to try to be, you know, working with government to help them, to try to um, bring to them processes and structures that they can use um, at first uh, to build, uh, you know, the platforms uh, and the frameworks to be able to deliver these programs, but then also to help to equip government communicators and public sector communicators with the skills that they need. And those skills are not just in creation, not in things like, um, not just in things like plain English writing, but also, you know, data. It's something that we've talked about a lot about this year. Uh, But how do we use data to create better insights uh, about the citizens that we're seeking to serve? How do we use data to create better content that's going to create and connect with the needs of the citizens? You know, that whole piece is a really big challenge for government communicators. And so we'll be looking to explore that as well. So you think frameworks, you think education, and then obviously we do, we've got our own television studio and we've got our own production people and we've got our own community managers. And so we do that work on behalf of other people as well. But one of our big focuses into the future is very much around building capability in government um, agencies so as that they can do it for themselves. Because if I look into the future, um, I think what's going to happen is that there will always be a role for those central communications teams. I think there's always going to be a role for expertise and there's always going to be a role for somebody to have their hands on that central core narrative of what your agency or your department is going to uh, want to be communicating with um, into the community. So there is always going to be that role. But increasingly what we're seeing is that uh, because citizens want more information, they want that information faster and they want it in the forms that they want it on the channels that they want it. Um, you know, taking content back through the gate of a central communications area is going to become outdated and so capability is going to have to be built into the policy areas, into the program areas, into the regulatory areas so as that they can produce their own content, create their own content and distribute their own content, which is why these frameworks and these ways of thinking about content are so important. So is that then we can distribute that capability through organisations. So effectively, government departments and agencies can be more responsive, which is what citizens are looking for. They've been socialised by the big banks, by the big telcos, um, by, you know, the big platforms, you know, like your Googles and Apples and, and Facebooks and others where there is this speed um, that is now accepted as, as why, you know, is the way and this standard that we want to be able to get things. And so that expectation is coming with government as well. And so that's why I believe this distributed capability is going to be um, where it's happening and it's going to go much more to the edges of to where those engagement pieces of a government agency are with citizens and stakeholders. And so, you know, it's going to become more porous as technology continues to disrupt government. Um, but that's another sort of um, continued discussion we can have down the path. So that sort of sets up that bigger framework. So just to sort of maybe focus on ourselves for a moment and look at some of our sort of big achievements and accomplishments. So I put people there as one, you know, I think we've got some really good people and it's, I I actually, as the sort of owner of the company, the founder or co-owner of the company and the founder and the CEO, one of the things that I really like about owning a company is the fact that, um, 
you know, we've got 30 people working here and that's 30 families um, who are being supported um, through this business. So that's one of the great things when you do own a, own a business that you can help to uh, give people employment, you can give people careers, you can give people skills, you can, you can do that. So that's really good fun. So I find that really rewarding just getting back to that purpose-driven stuff. But if we look at sort of where we've got to, and I mentioned that sort of biggish contract at the beginning of the year, we've actually uh, been able to accelerate our investment in uh, research and development And what we've been doing over the past couple of years is developing a process. We call it content communication, but again, it's content marketing, but it's looking at it in that um, context of government. So looking at it from a a governance point of view, looking at it from what benefits is this going to create, looking at it from a a risk management point of view, which is often the way um, a lot of government, you know, framing of of issues is around risk. So we've developed this framework. We we, we did it over time by ourselves, but then we were fortunate enough to get funding um, from the Australian government to build the evidence base around our methodology. Now, you know, it it hadn't been put together too scientifically. I'd sort of beg, borrowed, stolen ideas, you know, from content marketing, but at the same time, then looked at, you know, this governance piece that that government was looking for to really make it much more rigorous. So we were lucky enough to get research funding for stage one um, of building the evidence base underneath our particular uh, methodology. So we partnered with the Australian National University and that was uh, fantastic. And only about two months ago, we end of stage one. So we now have an evidence-based hybrid project management approach to content communication. And our, our dream or my dream is that we can turn this into a global standard that governments around the world will be able to use um, and to um, employ uh, in the pursuit of the mission, which is in service of the community. And interestingly enough, my sort of higgledy-piggledy methodology, I'd done some work with uh, one of the uh, big agencies here in Australia, Department of Human Services. They're probably the most sophisticated communicators because they have a touch point with pretty much every Australian through um, social service payments like family payments or student allowances or through Medicare, which is our national um, health system. And so we produced a content marketing slash communication approach uh, for them uh, a couple of years ago. And this year we found out that it has transformed the way the Department of Human Services thinks about communication, which I've got to say was like that was probably the happiest professional day for me this year uh, when they rang and they said, hey, you know that methodology you produce for us. I was like, oh yeah. And how dumb am I? I didn't even go back to sort of check how things were going over the last two years because, you know, you're always busy doing the next thing. And I said, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How's it going? And I said, oh mate, it's fantastic. I was like, oh, that's good. And we've got 50 content uh, communication programs running all across this department, internal projects, external projects, some of the biggest projects um, of government supporting government projects in Australia. I was like, oh, how good's that? You know, it's and and the impact that it had is it really it got people thinking about the audience because the process 
forces you to understand what the audience needs before you start going and creating uh, content. But it also, you know, this um, omni-channel approach of content marketing slash communication, where you're looking at offline, online, aligning things, measuring, setting benchmarks, understanding the impact of the interventions that you design, testing, learning, you know, this agile notion of getting the data, changing exactly the story that you're telling perhaps or the channels that you're using. Um, so, yeah, 50. So how, like, hap- one, as I say, professionally, the fact that we have made a material impact on that particular agency was, was a fantastic thing for me. So that was a, you know, a real highlight of the year for me. But just going back to our research. So, yeah, we have this research now and we, we want to turn it into a global standard. But the interesting thing, the challenge that we've got at the moment is that we, it's sort of come out of the oven, um, out of the university with a really heavy project management sort of focus. And we know, we've tried it actually with one client, massive fail <laughs> by me. Oh dear, I won't get into that. Um, but essentially I was sort of thinking, oh, you know, people, you know, more rigour, more, you know, more evidence, more. And yes, it needs to be based in it, but it needs to be usable and it needs to be accessible. So we've taken the feedback and we're sort of, you know, re- redesigning, re-equipping, you know, for this next test case. So fantastic news for us. Big highlight is obviously, yep, we've got one project, one area, one department really up and moving. And we're going to use that as a reference site um, for people to understand, you know, the potential impact of content communication if you adopt that mindset, if you adopt that sense of I am now in the publishing business, I am working in service of an audience, I am seeking to deliver value, how can we create, curate, useful, relevant, consistent content over time to build relationships with audiences so as that we can help to solve their problems. Because again, going back to that contextual problems around trust, you know, content marketing is or communication isn't going to solve all your problems. I, I get that. You're going to have to get the policy pieces right, but it can make a contribution because you can build those relationships with people through the distribution of useful, relevant and consistent content over time that will rebuild trust because I think that's a fundamental, uh, you know, benefit. And you can do so inside a framework that reaches the best practice standards of the national audit offices. Again, going back to this point, we're spending public money, so we've got to do it properly. We've got to base it on evidence. We've got to base it on best practice. And so that's what we're going to continue to do. We're moving into stage two of our research now, which is really going to be about, again, honing that tool so as it becomes something that people can really use. So um, stay tuned and you can jump onto the website, contentgroup.com.au and have a look at, we haven't updated it and we'll probably need to get to that, but it's not going to happen before Christmas. But that the tab on our website will probably give you a bit of an insight as to what we're trying to do. So trying to think of this notion of systemization, because we think that at a local government level, state government, federal government, multilateral government, they can all use it. Because again, going back to that big, big contextual point, we are all now in the media business. That is the central insight that drives content marketing slash communication. Government can do it just as well as anybody else. Certainly, and I have this argument with people all the time, people say, oh, you know, they want to talk to government. You know, people don't want to, that's not true. Government has so much valuable information 
locked up there because essentially what public servants are around the world is information workers. They're creating huge amounts of valuable information, but they're probably not thinking about that distribution point. They're probably not thinking as much as they need to about the audience and their needs. And I think what we want to try to do with this particular process is to connect it up so as that we can unlock that value which is there massive value that's there and get that information out and moving so as it is enriching society and that people are understanding what's going on. Uh, you know, it's so critically important that as we deal with digital disruption and change and, and the changes in our society that are going to be driven and those broader contextual challenges around urbanisation, around ageing populations, around digital technologies, these are stories that we need to tell all the time. We need to continue to talk about, you know, ageing populations and the impact that that's going to have on our healthcare systems so as that people can understand the policy interventions that are being designed by the very clever people who work in government but perhaps at this point in time are not being explained well enough. Because for me, the job of the public servants is to explain. It's the job of the politicians to persuade. So that's the categorization that I think about it. You know, we're in the explanation business and I think we can do that very well if we adopt these standardized practices and processes and if we build up the skills so that we can really take advantage of it. So some other highlights for us this year. Um, as I say, 2020, we want to be the world's leading uh, content communication agency. So we sort of jumped out of Australia. Uh, we were up in Bali at the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, uh, presenting our methodology to our, our good friends just north of Australia. Uh, and that was very productive. And uh, we're starting to build those relationships into um, uh, into Southeast Asia. Uh, one of my colleagues went over on the annual pilgrimage to Content Marketing Institute in Cleveland, uh, which again, if I can give any of you one piece of advice for 2018, I did notice the other day that they've opened up for uh, registrations for next year's big event in Cleveland. Get there. Um, yes, it's really focused on B2B, B2C, but that's what we've got to do as government communicators is go and find the richness of what's going on in those um, private sector uh, organisations and bring that knowledge back into government so as that we can educate people about this wonderful gift that we now have to be in the publishing business. So it's on traditionally in September, just after Labor Day in the States. So, so get there. It, it's so much fun. Great people, uh, great learning, great knowledge. Uh, I missed this year for the first time, I think, in seven or eight years, um, which was a great pity. But the reason I, I, I couldn't go was because I did have that trip to uh, Bali. I did have another trip to Singapore to understand what's going on up there. And I think, again, uh, big opportunities there. As I say, I had a holiday in Vietnam, but I did some work while I was there as well to understand there. And then also we went to the UK. Uh, the annual pilgrimage to uh, to the UK. The UK government, obviously uh, led by Alex Aiken at the Government Communication Service, they have done fantastic things um, for government communication. And I would highly uh, recommend also that you visit um, 
the Government Communications and Service website. Um, Alex and his team are so generous in the frameworks that they uh, produce, in the research that they produce, in all of the resources that they produce. They publish an enormous amount. Um, So go to the gcs.co.uk website and uh, spend a bit of time, particularly maybe around Christmas where you might have a little bit more time and you really want to sort of look in and and try to find where you might get some better insights. That's a fantastic place um, to go. And so, yeah, it's always great to catch up with Alex and his team. Uh, But also, interestingly, we um, made a big announcement this year uh, while I was on that trip, which was in November. Um, The England rugby coach, a guy by the name of Eddie Jones, was announced as a content group ambassador. Now, for many of you that might think, oh, yeah, what's that all about? Um, Well, what it is is really uh, Eddie and I have worked together. As I sort of mentioned earlier in the story, I was talking about the fact that I used to be involved in professional rugby. Well, we've worked together for 20 years. And one of the things I do on the side is uh, work with him uh, around his um, communication, you know, communication to players, to teams, to administrators, to fans, to opponents. And so we're helping each other out. Um, He's trying to win the uh, World Cup in 2019 in rugby and I'm helping him and we're trying to uh, become the world's leading content communication agency uh, for government and public sector by 2020 and he's helping me. So we uh, had an event in London uh, where we looked about this, we looked at an issue about how do you build and sustain a high-performing team and we were able to uh, invite lots of uh, people in the UK, uh, sorry, in London, uh, to that event and we got about 50-odd people there, which was fantastic and we got some good uh, publicity around that as well, so just trying to raise our profile uh, and that was good. I did joke that, you know, if if I went to London and uh, tried to have a conversation about building and sustaining high-performing teams, we could hold it in a phone box uh, when we have someone like Eddie who's such high-profile people listening in the UK will understand just how high-profile he is having one. 22 of 23 matches since he's taken on as coach. Um, well, it didn't take us long to uh, be able to rustle up a crowd of about 50 and we held the event at the uh, London Hilton at, um, at, uh, at London Bridge. So that was a great event for us. So that was uh, fantastic as well. So really looking to that. And also um, – uh, in terms of Singapore, not only did I go to, to Singapore, but uh, Lydia Stevens, who is the marketing manager here of Content Group, she was able to join with uh, one of the ACT government, which is the Canberra government here, the Australian Capital Territory, which is where we're located. They have these trade missions and they're often very useful things to go on. So Lydia um, went up to, uh, to to that part of the world and uh, and had a great time. Um and I think she really enjoyed uh, staying in a very, very flash hotel. She still keeps talking about it as well. So, um, yeah. So anyway, um, that's about it, I think, for uh, probably our um, summary, 2017. Uh, certainly a very, uh, very busy year. I won't go into all of the projects that we've completed other than to say, you know, they are very much directed at this notion of helping government. Sometimes people want the whole strategic engagement where they can build that plan and then implement that plan. Some people want to build that capability for themselves. Sometimes people just say to us, look, we want some videos or blogs or um, whatever it is that we, what else that goes into a content communication program and we actually can provide that for them as well. But uh, suffice to say, we have been 
working with uh, state governments, local governments and federal governments uh, in uh, this notion of helping to strengthen communities and improve the wellbeing of citizens. So that's been really successful as well. But I'll just finish off on a couple of predictions. Everyone gets into the prediction game at this time. Uh, My predictions for 2018 are that audience is everything. Now, that was my prediction, I think, in 2014, 2015, 2016. And really, you know, we can all get sort of distracted by the latest WYSIWYG, you know, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, smart machines, you know, natural language processing, uh, you know, throw in, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, you know, there is so much going on and don't get me wrong, but, you know, I think for most of us, meat and potatoes um, is really where we need to be trying to get ourselves organised. I like to use the analogy of the juggler of, you know, before we can juggle, 10 balls, we've got to get two right. And most of us are still very, very early at the beginning of this journey of changing that mindset. Um, As us as government communicators is that we're going from one-way communication, we're going to tell you what's on, to being very sympathetic and understanding of the audience and trying to co-design the best possible outcomes so as that we can unlock the value that taxpayers invest in, in terms of government. So, you know, we work for them. We work for them. So our job is to be in service of them. So just this notion of audience being fundamental to what you do and really looking to any sort of data, be it qualitative data or or, um, quantitative data or making sure that you get out from behind the desk and go and observe people, you know, these people who are uh, the people who are you seeking to serve, go and speak to them. Go and talk to them. Try to get those insights so that you can build much richer, much more effective uh, communication platforms uh, with them or, or processes with them. So um, in 2018, that will never be more important. And with data and, and data analytics and other things, we are going to have access to more information about them, but we want to contain that so as that we can gain the insights and be very clear about what we do. In 2018, I would also predict that we've got to try to do less, not more. We've got to try to be absolutely ruthlessly consistent with what we can manage. What I find is that there is so much going on in our space. There's so much going on with digital transformation. There are so many new things to be talking about. There are so many channels to, that are being opened up. There are so many more platforms. There are so many research reports. You know, it's head spinning. It is absolutely head spinning if you are trying to deliver a program and you are not centred at the core with a very clear plan. It's the great advice from um, the godfather of content marketing, Joe Polizzi, is that you must have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you are whistling in the wind. So in 2018, my prediction is that plans will become more important than ever. So take the time to understand what your planning process is, whether it's the methodology that we use or it's another methodology that you're using from somewhere else, but you are going through the steps. You are thinking strategically. You are putting the audience at the heart of every effort that you are making in terms of communication and you are evaluating the impact of the choices that you're making and that you're adopting an agile mindset to take those um, results, you're testing, you're learning, you're improving 
you're going again because I can tell you that this content business is a marathon. It's not a sprint. As I say, the Department of Human Services, we went there two years ago, two years on, 50 programs, but having conversations with them the other day, what they're talking about is they're only now starting to get the hang of it. It's only now starting to have an impact on their culture. So it takes time. So there are a couple of things um, from me as we look into the future. Um, this will be our last um, official podcast of the year or our last um, uh, new podcast that we're creating. Uh, we'll be certainly back in the new year with uh, fresh and new podcasts. I actually um, have quite a good holiday at this time of year. I tend to disappear and I won't be back at work until after Australia Day, which is January the 26th. Um, it's uh, For those of you in the Northern Hemisphere, I hope you're enjoying the snow. Uh, but for us, we're enjoying the hot weather. And so it's our time to head to the beach and um, go to the cricket and uh, just relax and, you know, recharge, uh, connect with friends and family. So it's our, our big holiday time. So what we will be doing though is um, uh, reaching back into the archive to pick out a couple of our, you know, hottest hits. And as I say, Trev, Trev Young's ranked us up in the, the top 12. So certainly in, the, in this year, there have been a number of fantastic uh, episodes of In Transition. So we will be running through a few of those uh, over the, uh, the summer months for us. But um, if you do want to stay in touch with us, obviously we're there on social trying to do our bit in terms of this mission of helping government to communicate um, effectively to strengthen communities and improve the well-being of citizens through content communication. That's our mission. That's what we're doing every day. We're not doing anything else. That's more than enough. Um, we've got the weekly blog. We've got the newsletter. So please jump onto the uh, content group website if you would like to um, uh, sign up. We'd certainly like you to do that um, because, as I say, this is going to get into a very – this is going to become central um, operating procedure for every government department and agency at a local, state, federal government in the world. Everyone's going to get into the publishing business, so we've got to learn together. We've got to get better together, and that's what we'll be seeking to do in the new year. So um, for me, it's uh, certainly a, a great goodbye, and thank you to all of you for continuing to dial in every week to have a listen. As I say, we will be back um, better and ever in the new year, uh, but for the moment, it is certainly a very merry Christmas to you. I hope you, if you are traveling, you travel safely, um, reconnecting with family. I hope you have a great time. I hope your new year uh, is, is a beauty. Uh, and you have a great time and you have a great celebration and we can all look forward to much, much more work together to do in 2018. So thank you very much again for dialing in. But for the moment, it is bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.